Welcome to the Give Back Economy, a podcast about social innovation and social enterprise. Now with your host, Peter Miller. And today we're going to Toronto, Ontario, Canada to talk with Cynthia Bell of the Indigenous Youth Agency. That's not the full name. So, give me the full name. Okay, so um, we are called the Eshkinigjik Nandwe Achigegamik Abishka Binjibang Indigenous Youth Agency. Our acronym is INAGBI, and that means a place for healing our youth and where did we come from. And the youth that uh, the youth that um, gave this organization its name, it's uh, they say you know in order for us to heal we need to know where we came from. So that's why we are called Eshkinigjik Nanduachigegmik Abishkabinjbain. I hope that is on your business card. It's on our business cards. Wow. Okay, <laughs> Cynthia, let's start with your education. Where did you go to school? Oh, I went to school at Cambrian College in Sudbury, Ontario. And I also went to school at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario. And then I have a lifetime of lived experience. So I have my PhD in lived experience for sure. Excellent. Okay, where did you go to work first? Oh, goodness. You're, you're taking me ba- way back in time. So I, I used to, you know, be a waitress, um, used to be um, a sales clerk at a store, and then, um, then it just evolved. Um, I was working on the reservation, uh, which is called the Weequemkong, uh, located on Manitoulin Island, Ontario. <clears throat> so you want me to go through all my work history? No. How did you end up where you are now? Okay, so um, I was cultural programmer in my community um, about 12 years ago, and I I had that job for almost 15 years, and I was about maybe 21 years old when I first started over there as the secretary for the Wakumakong Heritage Organization, and then, um, you know, that was when I was um, beginning to discover who I am as a a Anishinaabekwe, an Indigenous woman, and then... um, during that time, uh, while I was working with my community, those were the times when our community was, uh, you know, kind of in between where, uh, you know, there was a Catholic religion and then there was our culture. And so it was very hard back in those days to reawaken our elders um, because they really truly believed that we never had any culture before religion. And that was a lot of uh, brainwashed uh, tactics with the residential school. And so um, continued working with the elders and, you know, learning the language, our language and so forth. And, you know, organized many, many powwows over 15 years of um, organizing Wakumakong's biggest uh, cultural festival um, for those 15 years. And then um, brought back the ceremonies to the community um, well, they were already there, but I'm I'm more so like, kind of like I guess the word promotion, um, um, encouraging community members to you know 
wake up and, you know, reclaim our own ways of doing and own ways of knowing. So then um, my children, uh, I have three kids, um, they wanted to leave the reserve. And I was like, really? And I said, like, where should we go? And they're like, Toronto. And I was born here in Toronto. And uh, my parents lived here till I think I was five or six years old. And then we went back to the reserve. So then when they said Toronto, I was writing my letter of resignation to the job that I had for 15 years to move to Toronto. And I was a single mom with three kids. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm doing this. And so I moved here to Toronto. And um, the first year I was working with the Native Canadian Centre of Toronto as their cultural programmer. And then from there, I... Um, took a year off because my kids were not transitioning from uh, the urban setting to to uh, from the rural setting. And so I kind of opened up my little business at that time called uh, Giwednongos Productions. And then a year later, my kids are like, Mom, you need to go back to work. Because I was almost losing myself too in the city where I'm at home and you know, so I was like, okay, I went back to work. And then I started working as the executive director, uh, sorry, executive assistant to the executive director of the Native Canadian Centre. And um, from there, I, I seen a lot of proposals going by. And there was one thing I reflected back in when I was working on, on my reservation was the, um, the need for more youth programming. So, um, Back in Wicomacong, the unfortunate uh, there was an unfortunate uh, uh, ax, um, trauma that had happened there, where a young girl had committed suicide at our powwow grounds. And then most times our communities, unfortunately, where we get reactive, not so much proactive. And so they called a meeting um, of all the youth, and they were asking the youth, "What is it the youth need, and what is it they they want?" And I was a youth at the time. And so I was mentioning to them, I was like, you know, maybe a youth council where you're actually listening to us, um, you know, what our needs are instead of comparing your life back in your days when you were a youth, because things change. And then I also had mentioned that, you know, um, your nine to five doesn't seem to be working because we're in school. And when we need you, your support, you're not there because you're done work. And then uh, I've also mentioned that, you know, in order for us to open up to you as a worker, um, a support, whatever counselor, we don't know who you are. So you need to come to our basketball games, our programming, our anything where you can create a relationship with us. Um, so that's a part of that tr build building trust. So anyway, while I was as as the while I was acting as the executive assistant, I seen all these proposals going by, and I seen one that was um, being offered by um, the uh, TC Lin at the time, the local health integration network. And I was asking my ED, I was like, "Who's writing these proposals?" And so he said, uh, "Nobody." And then I said, "Do you mind if I write them?" And then he goes, "Not at all." So then I started writing them, and the one that was uh, I, the first one I wrote was uh, addressing Indigenous uh, youth's mental health and addictions. So basically, I put that whole concept that I was talking about years ago onto this proposal, and we got our first quarter of a million. 
and then um, it started to expand while we were under the Native Canadian Center. And so, um, unfortunately, we, we actually created a transitional house program. We've created so many uh, programs that then I became the program manager of an egg bee. And then um, eight years later, I get let go from the Native Canadian Center without cause. And I'm like, really? And so I think that's a part of truth and reconciliation too, is like, you know, our people need to um, relook at themselves and be able to, you know, um, reconnect with themselves too. So I was like, are you seriously letting me go? after eight years and building this um, a nagby and then they wouldn't respond. And so the youth were just like, are you kidding me? Like, Cynthia, you, you can't leave. You can't leave. Can you be our volunteer executive director? Because during that time, we also applied for corporation and charity status while we were at the Native Canadian Centre. And we were transparent about what we were doing. They always knew that we want the youth wanted their own organization. And so, um, when I was being let go, I, I said, okay, well, I'm sh uh, you're not going to, this is not the last you're going to hear about me. And so uh, when the youth had asked me to, and they petitioned, they petitioned to get all their funding to come with us, grow out of the organization. And that's how it's supposed to be, you know, support the growth of a new organization out of another organization. But that didn't happen. So it ended up where Nagby had to start at $0 again. Everything that we secured while we were there stayed there. So the youth and the, our youth council and board at the time said, you know what, Cynthia, it's just money. Let's rebuild ourselves. And that's exactly what we did. So now I'm the executive director of and co-founder of Nagby. And... Um, you know, uh, we now have five locations here in the city of Toronto. We have two, uh, which is two early ons, um, two program air spaces, one in the east and one in the west. And we also have a land-based uh, program where we acquired um, about two acres of land from the city of Toronto near the Humber River. So that's kind of how I got here. And it's just, you know, these youth are super smart, super amazing, super energetic. Uh, I just, I just love it. So when is the book coming, Cynthia? <laughs> right. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking at one point, I was like, maybe I should write a book. Absolutely. It's, it, it's just so much, uh, so much to say and so much uh, things to share. I've learned a lot along the way, for sure. Well, that's that's what you do. You learn from others. And you are a social enterprise. You may not have heard that term very often, but you are definitely a social enterprise. Thank you. So talk about the importance of partnerships. Partnerships. Okay. Um, Obviously, uh, the things that we went through in 2019, it was really difficult to trust people because because we thought we had a partnership in the in with the native with the NCCT, and it was just like a place where we had to you know find forgiveness, I guess you can say, to trust other organizations to create partnerships, but 
as we can as we began to grow um you know we've we've kind of given forgiveness um when i say kinda it's like we're still waiting for an apology from ncct so we're not really not in partnership with them at the moment because you know if you're in an abusive relationship you 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 would hope that you get an apology right so we're kind of still waiting for that apology because we should have never went through that but partnerships are very essential to our organization definitely like we couldn't do it without partnerships you know uh, there's certain things that as we were growing we never had uh, we don't have currently in our organization such as housing you know um so <clears throat> having partnerships within the city that you know have that particular program then we can uh you know refer our youth work to work together to you know house our youth get them off the streets um and also you know there there's specific expertise that other partners have that we don't have presently and and if we didn't partner with them then we wouldn't be able to fill that gap that um our youth need to help them uh, prosper so in 3 years from today what's the organization going to look like 3 years we um we are now i think solidly built within the city of toronto we do we are looking at a provincial pers- um growth the uh youth this is actually the first ever indigenous youth led organization so it's uh you know they're my bosses technically you know and the anything and everything that i have in my head in regards to what youth needs are and youth wants are it's it's from them i've i've heard their voices for the past 12 years and so uh things that um they say uh, that they that they see and that is one of them is uh we do have a uh, federal recognition so we are looking at the growth to move provincially to not move uh grow like sub locations and we are having a discussion to possibly have a sub location in Thunder Bay Ontario um one of the reasons why we'd like to have a sub location there is a lot of indigenous youth leave their reserves to go to this to the city to have um taken high school so we want to be able to support them we're also uh working with united nations declaration of, um of indigenous peoples and we may have we may get national recognition as the first ever indigenous youth agency led by youth for youth here in in the nation so it could be we're we're all over the place in 3 years or just in the province for now and then we could look at the federal the national growth so having said that what is your website so people can get more information our website is um e e n a g b hyphen i y a dot c a and uh in there you'll you'll notice during when you register our youth recognize all indigenous youth of north america so uh, if you don't have a status card based on government uh, identification of indigeneity if you self identify you are welcome here and um but 
when you're self-identifying, we try to see where your lineage is. You don't need a status card. But then we have to make sure that we don't have the, the pre pretend, pretendians. Yeah. So, but we do embrace uh, Indigenous folks like the like uh, the Zuni tribe, the Lakotas down in the United States. You know, um, there's over um, over 600 tribes. So if you're coming in Toronto and you identify indig as Indigenous to North America, which means right down to the tip of the Panama border, you're a part of our community. So how big is your team, Cynthia? We have right now a team of 40. And uh, uh, inclusive of that is probably, I'm going to say about 50% are youth. And are some of those youth on your board of directors? Absolutely. All our board of members, I think just one, two, two board members of nine are adults uh, above the age of 30. And the rest are um, youth on our board. And we also have a youth council. So we created the bylaws to recognize the youth council because um, in, in the laws of Canada, if you're 18 and under, you can't sit on boards. So we created a youth council of 12, anywhere between 12 to 29 years old. And they're actually the glue of our organization. So if there's ever a new executive director or new board members trying to dissolve that youth council, they actually dissolve the entire organization. That's how important that youth council is because we want to hear the voices of our 12-year-olds, 13s, and so forth. And so that's why we created that youth council. So they are the glue of the organization. Well, you're passionate about what you do. Absolutely. You have fun while you're doing it. And you learn from the people that you work with or the youth that you work with. Absolutely. So, I always have a saying there. Um, we live in an age buyer prophecy right now for us Indigenous folks. And it talks about the young people are the ones that are going to, um, you know, make us prevail. Right. And so it, and, and then it's really important to have youth involved because they're inheriting what we leave behind. And in order for them to inherit what we leave behind, they should be involved in what we're going to be leaving behind. Because if they're not involved, then they don't, then they won't know how to, you know, make it flourish. So it's really important for you to be involved. And and, and I say too that they're, I'm going to almost uh, say that they're less contaminated with um, Western ways of doing and knowing, and they're closer to our Creator. That they have so much pure suggestions, pure ideas that, you know, make so much sense. So how well do they speak the original languages or is that part of your programming? It's part of our programming. Um, we try to uh, promote language and cultural um, uh, acquisition and retention as much as we can. It's, they're not fluent. They're very, very basic at this point as far as um, acquisition and even speaking it. So I am, too, a language teacher um, with the Toronto District School Board because there's hardly any Odawa Ojibwe um, qualified teachers, which is really scary 
there's actually only four of us in TDSB. So I try my best to do what I can to promote language also. So when I do go out here, I speak um, Odawa Ojibwe when I can. Um, but yeah, so it, it, it's, a, it's a process right now of promoting. So for listeners, Cynthia has a wide variety of activities. She wears many hats. She's an environmentalist. And she does many, many things. So thank you for your time this morning, Cynthia. Thanks for inviting me, Peter. It was great.